from Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans. We're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business... New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Once a week, I have lunch at Commander's Palace and invite guests from the world of New Orleans business to join me. One of the sure ways to creating a successful business is to come up with a product that makes life easier. The potato peeler, the push pin, shoelaces. Well, that's how it used to be when we had a manufacturing-based economy. Now finding a product that makes life easier is more about creating a product that literally makes your actual life easier by reducing stress. New Orleanian Kay Morrison was a success in corporate America with a dynamic career and a hectic schedule when she had an epiphany that she and her husband needed a second wife to do all the at-home stuff she wasn't at home to do. So Kay founded The Occasional Wife to become that occasional wife to others. Now Kay has two stores and a bunch of occasional wives with their own hectic schedules. Mamet Erglin was also inspired to found his business, Blue Bag, from experiences around home. Renovating his uptown home, he found himself making 15 road trips to Ikea in Houston and bet on the fact that he wasn't the only New Orleanian who had better things to do than drive up and down I-10 to buy affordable Swedish furniture. <laughs> the, um, now, Mamet, or at least his truck, goes to Ikea in Houston every day and comes and assembles for you whatever you ordered uh, from Ikea. Mamet and Kay, you are two very enterprising New Orleanians. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks it, for having us. Oh, this is uh, nice to be this, here. This is kind of kind of dream guest for us here. The uh, <laughs> Kay, there seems to be a trait inherent in people who are successful. Sometimes it's called a Type A personality, where you just can't help yourself striving to be better and bigger. Now, you intentionally jumped off the corporate ladder so you'd have more time at home and presumably less stress. But now you've created a successful business that's right. growing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we love that. You love that. It's and before we go any further, I really want to get back to something you said in the beginning. Okay. You talked about, about clarifying that um, what I thought my husband and I needed was another um, wife. Was it? <laughs> it was, was it I didn't was, know if that came out exactly a, correctly. This wasn't but, <laughs> a new religion you had found no, or anything? No, not. this is good. Uh, <laughs> but what, really how it came out was that um, my husband shouted in a moment of complete chaos in our home and said, this family needs an occasional wife. And I said, oh my God, that is exactly what I need. Because so many women are out there so busy and don't um, have the time to get it all done. And people come up to me all the time now that I've been in business for six years and I am uptown, downtown. I'm on the North Shore. I'm in just starting up in Baton Rouge just starting up in Memphis, Tennessee, and just starting up in Austin, Texas. Great like, land. You've got to clean that place right, up. I know. I've been there. Really, I know. They mess. needed us a long time ago. <laughs> and, um, I, and they say, gosh, you're busy as ever. You need a wife. And I do. And they're like, but didn't you step out of that <laughs> so you would right. be home with your family? And I said, the difference is, is that I am home. Before I lived on an airplane. And um, someone recently asked me, what, is, what, what do I love best about owning this business. And my question to him was that I love every part of it. I love growing a business, doing the marketing and seeing it take from this idea that was in my kitchen and now growing into, you know, almost six locations. Give me an example of uh, a couple of projects that people would use you for quite a bit. Um, well, oh gosh, we just, one of our biggest, um, uh, services that we offer is that we will go in 
and take over someone's entire move. So we will go in and purge them before they move. We will pack them. We will physically move them to their new location with our occasional husband. If husbands. you could bring me the baseball cards you take right. out of the basement, I'd appreciate <laughs> right. that. Um, and we'll move them, and we have occasional husbands that are our moving really? part of our business. Yes. I knew this would work. Then out. we go to their new house and we unpack them, and we literally organize every drawer, organize every closet, hang every picture, place every knickknack, and then they just walk into their house and it's completely done. You think this came, because you were and in the hotel industry, right? In so this is what you're used yes. to, is and getting things ready. and we do it ready. in like 24 hours. 24 hours. Mm -hmm. If it's a local move. Wow. Yeah. I heard somebody say once so that, you know, it's, it's great to work for yourself, but the only problem is when you call in sick, you know you're lying. I know. You know, that's, <laughs> uh, that's, that is... Uh, but I still try. Yeah, still try. <laughs> still try. <laughs> uh, now, Mehmet, uh, let, me, let me ask you, Blue Bag exists solely to take the pain out of driving to Houston, shopping at Ikea, and coming home and figuring out how to screw A into B, and I'm terrible at this kind of thing. Um, you've come up with the very definition of a niche business. It says on your website that Blue Bag is not in any way affiliated with Ikea. Mm -hmm. If the demand is great enough to keep you busy and successful, the obvious questions are, why doesn't Ikea open a store here, and uh, why don't... They buy your business and expand your model and create kind of a hub of these delivery routes from all their stores. I mean, what do you think that is? Um, a couple of things. IKEA is a very large and structured organization, and they have very um, specific goals before they can open up a store in any location. Um, the very minimum limitation is $2 million in a metropolitan area. So by the time we no, get to population. $2 million, So population. We're, we're what? 350 or something? Yeah, or something okay. like that. And so we're a long ways from just that basic requirement, and that's just a demographic requirement. Beyond that, there's other requirements, psychographics, uh, education levels, all these other things. So, and when we say we're not affiliated with IKEA, we're very strongly affiliated with IKEA Houston. So we actually are almost a part of IKEA Houston, a satellite of IKEA Houston in New Orleans. So we work in tandem with them. Um, so much so that we just opened up a showroom in New Orleans that IKEA Houston that provides all the materials and all the interiors for. Well, now that's what I thought would happen. When did that occur? Um, we started actually, I mean, I started the business about two and a half years ago, literally driving to IKEA Houston for friends in my little hatchback, bringing stuff back every week. Now, I just want to correct one thing that, we, uh, that you mentioned up front. We don't go there every day. Okay. That would be a lot of <laughs> driving. I know you drove the truck here, right. and I was kind of so concerned. So basically so what we do, and we're just switching over, actually, in the next week or so, we're switching to a commercial carrier. So we have a semi that basically brings our shipments in once a week. So what our clients do, they put their orders in throughout the week, and once a week we bring everything and distribute to them. And now within the, with the showroom, they can actually come pick it up from us for a lower rate as well. And I guess the other part that I didn't say was you do a lot of design work, right? Correct. Uh, the three businesses that we do, uh, if you look at on our websites, the three services we provide are uh, design and consult. Uh, we have obviously the middle part, which is the delivery. Uh, shop and deliver is what we call it, personal shopper service. And then the third part is assemble and install. So we can actually, kind of like the occasional wife in organizing your move, we can literally take a, for example, a kitchen project or a whole house, house project, start with a design process and get you the products and at the end install it, get it ready for your turnkey. And in our process, that takes about three weeks from design to literally installed in your home. 
Well, now, when you were working on your own home uptown, is this mm-hmm. that just just kind of hit you? I mean, what makes an entrepreneur? What what what's what went from uh, boy, this is a pain in the neck to boy, I can turn this into a business? To be honest with you, I wish it hit me a lot sooner because <laughs> I did that trip for quite a bit of time. Uh, I moved here from similar to Kay in a way. I, I had a corporate job. I worked for Procter and Gamble in Switzerland, and moved to New Orleans because similar reasons. I was a global manager. I was traveling a lot, and I had down the road bought a house before the hurricane and came here after the hurricane, decided, okay, I'll take a sabbatical and renovate this house, and that kind of became my new thing. Uh, Along the way, I started working with Idea Village, uh, which is uh, an economic development organization. And through my interaction with them and helping other entrepreneurs, the idea became kind of gelled in my mind, wait, this is something I'm doing, this is something that there might be a kind of a, a business idea there. What is it about today's society where, you know, you two are in the, the catbird seat? I mean, is it just people have reached a level where they just can't do it on their own? Well, or? I think people are really busy. I think, you know, for, uh, you know, at any time in history, more people have a double working family model. Um, and it takes two people to pay the mortgage and to live the lifestyle that people want to live. And so I do find that even though we're in somewhat of a recession and people are a little bit tighter with their dollars than they used to be, the money they do want to spend is about improving their life. I mean, that's exactly right. It's the value equation that people play in their minds all the time. And is it worth your time to spend two, three hours putting together, like you said, either organize your house or or have someone who's an expert that's going to be a lot more efficient in doing the things that you won't be able to do and saves you time to either play with your kids, write the movie that you want to write. Quality of life and what your time is worth. I wish I had known you when my kids were little under the Christmas tree assembling that <laughs> stuff. That would have been, uh, those were the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. We you imagine him with a Thomas the Tank Engine set? I'm that could be done you. in 15 minutes. I it's know. just a, well, just amazing. That's, that's kind of like, that's a really funny point because Ikea used to use that term themselves. It's, uh, you know, let us save your marriage because oh. it's like one, one of the biggest fights that you get with Ikea furniture is that the husband trying to put it together and not doing it and the wife getting oh, really upset about it. Oh my gosh, exactly. Wow, there goes Sven. We have saved a lot of marriage. Marriages right. as well there in you our go. world. Look at I'm that. That's, that's you. <laughs> if, you have, if your business card is big enough, add that. That's a, we, right now, we like to do a little part of the show. It's uh, called the checklist, where we ask you ask you something that wouldn't really show up on a bank loan application or something, but a little bit more personal. Let me let me ask you both this question: Love is this. Um, who's your hero? Um, any kind of hero. Yeah, it could be superhero, Aquaman, could be uh, a family member. I'm, I'm a designer. My background is in design. Um, and my heroes are always from that, usually. So Charles and Ray Eames, when I was going through design school, have always been. And from a product aesthetic as well, they've kind of followed up. And I, probably why I like IKEA so much is that that simple, clean, efficient aesthetic. So I would cite those guys as kind of my leading design so hero. And, uh, and your hero? Oh, mine is so um, sappy. Would it be the robot from the Jetsons? Because that's who no, I'm thinking. What was her name again? Rosie. No. She was great. Um, I loved her. Alice from the Brady Bunch. No, it was, <laughs> um, it's really my mother. Uh, I, I mean, she is the one who um, taught me how to run a household, how to run it efficiently, how to be organized, and do it with such kindness and patience and flair and if she would have just not if she would have been in a different era she 
This would have been her business? This would have been her business (laughs) a long time ago. Good way way to look at it. You know, it's time to check our inbox, and that's where our producer picks a question that's come in from a a listener over the week. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Peter, we got uh, bunches of questions for both, I guess, so I thought I'd pick one for each of them. This one uh, question is for you, Mamet, from Henry Griffin, who asks, How much does Blue Bag eat into IKEA's mail order business, and how much do you share with IKEA as far as figures go? And Kay, this one's for you from Antonine Marcel. It's about franchising. She says franchising seems to be all about replicating exact products like hamburgers. The occasional wife seems to be very personality-based. How do you franchise that? Let's see, which way do you want to do? Mamet, you want to start with that? Sure, no problem. Um, We share with IKEA Houston. We have uh, every three months, we have a kind of a meeting that we present our numbers, but they're very well aware of the numbers anyway. Um, IKEA itself, as far as their mail order business, I would—I don't have the exact numbers, but I doubt we're making a huge impact because we're adding business to them as opposed yeah. to taking away from what they're already doing. Because their mail order business, and the reason we even started the business is what they're shipping is large, heavy, big things that are not very efficient to ship. And a lot of their product line they don't even ship to begin with because they're easily damaged or broken. They're not meant to be shipped via you know, UPS or FedEx. So their pricing on their mail order, limited mail order business is very high. So unless you're on a very odd um, emergency, you're not going to really order something mail order from IKEA. Um, so what we've done is really add to, especially IKEA Houston's business, literally created a whole new market for them that they didn't have to spend a dime on. So I would very much that we've uh, taken away more than 10% of their uh, mail order business, but Definitely we've added plus. about you know $2.5 million annual cost of goods sold on their part that they didn't have before. And so what do you do? Do you um, add on to their cost? We add on to their cost. So basically we have a really, again, going back to you know the simple, IKEA is such a simple, clean aesthetic. We want our service to be a simple, clean aesthetic. So we have a very simple equation. It's 20% up to $1,000 of IKEA uh, total and 15% above that. So our clients always know what they're going to pay. Um, and that's it. It's, a, it's an upcharge. But that includes one of the things that's really important that people don't know always is that it's not just one trip and get your stuff and bring it back to you. One of the biggest hassles of the ritual of driving to IKEA Houston, what I found out and everyone does find out eventually, is that it's never a one trip. Things are going to possibly be damaged. A lot of things are going to be out of stock. Things are need to be returned. So that one trip ends up being a second and a third and a fourth, which we do in our 20% charge, we do for free. So we do returns for free. We do exchanges for free. So we provide a lot of post-purchase uh, services that makes, we're, we're almost like a service department that IKEA Houston doesn't have in this area. That is great. And Kay, what, what about what our, our listener uh, asked you there? Well, I thought it was really interesting. My growth is driven by the individual, not by the, the place. Um, and so there, the caller was exactly spot on. It's a personality driven that somebody has the right skills that can be organized, but at the same time have a good marketing and business background to grow the business in the, in well, the city. 
Well, great. You know, now we're going to take a look at our lunch money. Uh, lunch money is our out-to-lunch stock portfolio. And if you've been following it, the, uh, the stock market is very, very near a five-year high right now. It's, uh, I know. It's, uh, it's you know, exciting. Earn- <laughs> yes, corporate earnings are at record levels and uh, uh, interest rates are very low. So most of the stocks we have, which are on our website, uh, have done quite well. But I'm going to so we, we build a portfolio of stocks chosen each week uh, by our guests. And um, uh, Kay and Mamet, I'd like to get a stock from each of you we can put on there. Kay, who are you going to pick? Mine was um, Bed Bath & Beyond. That is the one um, for many reasons I um, chose that one. Um, one is because I hope that one day the two founders of Bed Bath & Beyond will wake up and realize that they can make even more money by adding service and they come and buy up the occasional wife. That would be... Uh... <laughs> so I watched them very closely. Um, um, the second reason is because um, I recently just finished the Goldman Sachs um, 10,000 Small Business. Oh, great. We Fox, which was amazing. And um, they talked about the founders of Bed Bath & Beyond. And... And it was all about in reference to people being afraid to borrow money to grow their business. And the two guys who founded Bed Bath & Beyond refused to borrow money. They never have, really? never will. Their stockholders, when they're at their meetings, kind say you could thing, grow. Or they just, uh, just I don't, don't know. It. They were <laughs> like, you could grow it faster. You could grow it differently. And they're like, no, this is the way. We're successful. This is the way we're going to grow it. We don't want to owe anybody any money. And you would like to. And I have always followed that philosophy as well. I don't want to borrow money. Right. I really want to grow the business with the revenue that I earn. I don't want to be held accountable to anybody else. I want to have it to be my vision. I wanted to grow it that way. I mean, I know that sounds a little dictatorship, but I feel like I lose control and I don't want to do that. So I had the same sort of philosophy of them, and um, that's why I chose their stock. And you'd like to have them buy you out at some point. And, that would yes, work out. And, they, well, uh, and the other thing is, is that if you could just invest in one Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> um, in one certain part of the year, you should do it in New Orleans in the next um, three weeks because- oh, the, the kids coming oh, for college? for college. And there's only two Bed Bath & Beyonds in the whole city. <laughs> and there's how many universities in the city of New Orleans? <laughs> um, they make a fortune and then and just in the next three weeks. Well, ver- yeah. very good. We'll mm-hmm. keep an eye. And Matt, did you, uh, is there a stock you'd like to, or should we work on one together? Or I uh, think we might have to because uh, I was telling you guys when in the pre-show uh, emails, I don't really follow the uh, um, stock market. The only stocks I've ever owned are Procter & Gamble because it was given to me <laughs> and uh, Apple because, again, I'm, I'm fond of their concept. But I do actually uh, think, and, uh, and I haven't even checked where Procter & Gamble is these days, but it is a company that I do recommend from a big company standpoint. Because uh, working with their vice president when I was in the design manager for them, they have a very, unlike most big companies, they have a chosen path of really elevating design and kind of bringing the user into the development process of all of their products. Even for a very big company like that. Very big company. And it's, uh, I remember it was early 2000s when uh, Claudia Kachka was the vice president of design and she brought in, literally, they became overnight the largest employer of designers of any company in the world. Uh, They they actually chose this path and they said, kind of like Apple, but in a much larger scale, they said using users to actually create products for them makes more sense instead of sitting in a marketing room or sitting in a focus group. So from that standpoint, I always like to follow companies that are at least manifested interest in doing things the way I believe they should be done. Well, I like that idea, and I like uh, like your background on it. Of course, Warren Buffett owns a big chunk of that, so... There you go. Let's stick with Warren. <laughs> what the heck? They must they, uh, know something. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love that.
their commercials during the Olympics. They have done. I again. cry every time. It's so. <laughs> I mean, I hate to admit it, but every time they do that Procter and Gamble Proud mom. Oh moms. my God! I mean, it's that's beautiful. a really, really clever I, idea. I cry at the Sonic ad with the two guys in the car. It's so funny. Oh, There's no. a. The others, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> Could you give us a little background? I don't know what that is. They, uh, okay. Kay Morrison, <laughs> Ergolin, thank you so much. You've started great businesses that have grown out of your own personal experiences. Uh, you both seem to be having fun and oh, having definitely. success. That's, yeah. That means a lot, which is a winning combination. We look forward to keeping up with your progress and your continued success. Thanks for uh, joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks for having, having us. It's been great. Yes. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Kay Morrison, founder of The Occasional Wife, and Mamet Ergolin, founder of Blue Bag. Now, to find out more about Kay's wives or husbands, I guess, or Mehmet's Ikea connections. Follow the links on our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. And you can keep up with our continuing adventures in Crescent City Commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. You can get in touch with us and sign up for our mailing list at itsneworleans.com. And you can follow us on Twitter. We're at It's New Orleans. To listen to past shows or to get this show as a podcast, go to wwno.org or itsneworleans.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. Until we meet again around the table here at Commander's Palace, I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch. <laughs>